Hello and welcome to Meet My Potential podcast, where we talk to leaders from around the world to inspire and to ignite your potential. This is your host, Deepa Natarajan, that Indian girl from Toulouse in France. And today we're going to talk about the power of diversity. We're going to talk about the diversity icebreaker that Bjorn Eklund is most famous for. Bjorn is a psychologist with over 25 years of experience in interpersonal interactions and cross-cultural challenges. He has developed the diversity icebreaker, which is a concept that combines the assessment of different cognitive styles with an experiential learning that can take place very easily in a seminar. And besides running his own company, he's been lecturing at the management school in organizational psychology and international management. You might want to read his last book on unleashing the power of diversity, how to open minds for good. I met Bjorn in Krakowicz in Poland in 2011 in the CITAR European Conference, where I was mesmerized by the way he brings about this experience of let's talk about diversity and let's create a common ground and let's just create from our differences. And then I met him recently again in a conference in Stockholm on inner developmental goals. And this is exactly how we decided to do this podcast. So I hope you'll enjoy this episode and I hope you'll talk about diversity and open up minds for good. Hello and welcome, Bjorn. It's such a fabulous opportunity to talk to you about culture and how we need to pay attention to cultural differences. Thank you very much uh, for having me here. Um, I look forward to this conversation. Yes. So, um, Bjorn, this is the first episode that I'm recording in the last, I don't know, 100 plus episodes to talk about culture and communication. Although I started off my work in culture and communication, when I quit the IT industry back in 2011, my first company was to help organizations working with India in Europe to work better. So I was in the space of culture and communication. And suddenly, like in about two years time, it was an you know, automatic realization that culture is so linked with personal growth and personal development. What's your take on that? I, I totally agree. Uh, I think um, the personal growth as for, for, for adult people, is this is happening when you experience something new or you, you dialogue with another person who has different kind of perspectives, and then you reflect upon yourself. Why do I think the way I do? And why do you think the way you do? And when you are brought up in a society, you, 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 you are brought up with your, with your parents and, and you go to the school and you get the same kind of training uh, to being a professional. So this is something you know. And suddenly you meet a person from another kind of culture and they say something and that you make you feel what's going on. I don't understand. Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? So you suddenly realize that you meet another kind of person who have a dif different kind of, you might say, cognitive mindset mm -hmm. or the way they perceive and understand things. And of course, that's an opportunity for a new type of growth for adult people. So, uh, and the cultural differences you, you are not aware about them when you're being brought up. You, you become aware of it 
when you, as an adult person, start working with people with, from different kinds of nations. So, right. So that's so why cross-cultural meeting is, is challenging for the individual growth or individual learning. Yeah. You know, I started working in, in India, in the IT industry with so many different countries. And for some reason, I never felt challenged. Like, you know, I worked with Americans, worked with Canadians, worked with Japanese people. There were some challenges, but I never kind of outwardly admitted that they were cultural challenges until I moved to France. And I started living with my husband, who's French, and I started working in a company and started like living here and practicing um, and that is when like culture literally just hit me. And then I said, yes, there are differences. So, you know, you and I were talking before and you use this word, like culture is such a sticky thing to talk about. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. I use uh, the term sticky because uh, to understand cultural differences, it's difficult. It's difficult because culture is very much into your identity and mm -hmm. very much of your identity that belongs to the cultural upbringing is identity elements that are included into the language. It is very emotionally bounded and mm -hmm. there are very much unconscious com components into it, which mm -hmm. implies that when you meet people from other kinds of cultures, it, it's, it triggers emotional frustrations. And for that kind of reason, very often negative attitudes towards the others. Why? Because you are taught from your own background what is a good thing. And when other people do not behave that way, they are implicit doing bad things. So you get frustrated about the other through that kind of uh, cross-cultural interaction. And right. that's why we call it sticky. It's unconscious, emotional, identity-threatening. <laughs> and, and, you, and you're not trained in your upbringing to be aware. You just meet it when you're going out 30 years of age, going into France, marrying a Frenchman and right. started working in France. Yeah? Exactly. I mean, there are small differences. You wake up, it's not tea, it's coffee. Uh, but then, you know, suddenly when people said, no, I can't do that. No, that's not possible. Oh, no. Uh, and complain. I was like... Guys, can you be positive? Guys, can we say yes a little bit more often? Because, you know, in my country, like, yes, it's, th this is a cliche, right? And we do say yes more often than we do, than we do say no. And yes, we do say no. Uh, but it's just like, do you hear that we're saying no? And so the differences just actually started to stand out for me. Whereas when I was working, there was this notion of you're working in a global IT company, let's set aside cultural differences. And that's because that's a personal aspect. And let's work on our global processes. We have a common goal, we have a common agenda, and let's follow the process. Um, and so process, goals, uh, ways of working, the technical denominator had so much precedence over any kind of like communication differences in communication styles. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, and, and I think the reason why is that uh, if you're going to build a global organization, you cannot build a global organization starting focusing about the individual differences. <laughs> you have to <laughs> gather people around right. the, pro the processes and the direction and organizing. Organization is about organizing. It's not about individual flourishing, going in every direction themselves. 
So the, the idea of an organization is to create that kind of structure. Then the, so, so that's one part of what organization is about. Then we get into a situation where culture is important. It is when you are going to do something in another culture, mm-hmm. whether you are going to sell a product, do some kind of marketing, or you want to hire people from another kind of culture, or you want to engage people in other kind of culture and develop businesses in other culture. Then you are in a situation that the cultural differences will be very salient. And then you can decide, uh, shall we try to do something positive or shall we just uh, try to avoid this kind of issue by focusing upon what you call the common denominator that makes everything much more easy. Mm-hmm. Then the founder and the leaders, they know what to do. They know what to answer. When we talk about cultural differences, the leader doesn't know. It is the employees locally that know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's a total p- t- other types of dynamics around organizations and leaders as soon as you open up for the cultural diversity issues around here. What's hard about um, opening up to the cultural differences? Like, why do we dismiss it so easily? I think one important part is for each of us uh, to approach a person from another kind of culture is challenging. As I mentioned, it's sticky, but it's also the idea that uh, we all very often think that uh, that what I do and the way I have learned to think and the way I have decides how we're going to run this kind of business is is the right one, is the good one. And then mm-hmm. the the others who doesn't think in the same way, they very often come up with some kind of not so good. Uh, so you rank order, mm-hmm. and very often you start by yourself being 1.0, and the others always below 1.0. <laughs> so and that's that is a challenging thing because in in all kind of interaction we want some kind of equality, we want some kind of balance, we sort of want some kind of respect. And, uh, and that adds a dimension of challenge for the individuals who, who are in charge, who knows what to do as long as they're focusing on the common denominator. But I don't know what to do when they are approaching people who speak differently, who come up with ideas and who behaves differently, who doesn't come on time, who doesn't show the same kind of respect. For example, in Norway, I'm from Norway, you know, and in Norway, we don't respect our leaders so we we don't think that the leaders have good answers for what to do. We think that it's the local experts with experience who has the good answers. So we don't we don't expect to get good advices from from the top in the organization. We get close to those people who have the hands-on knowledge around here. And in very many hierarchical society, it's it's the opposite way. You take for granted that what leader says. The way that decide is the what that is the right answer. It's the way to be respected around you. So this is some of these elements that create some kind of challenges around it. Right. You're so right about this. Like, you know, I loved what you said is that we have been psychologically constructed to succeed, to wade through life, to do things in a certain way through our education, through which has been given to us as norms, as cultural norms, uh, through different ways. And and then you come face to face with somebody who has a completely different framework, completely different structure, um, 
it is so hard because you're kind of like, if you open up the scary part of it is like, oh, now do I have to challenge the way how I've been successful? Like I know that for sure, like I have done X, Y, Z in my professional career. And that's how I got things done. I projects got delivered on time. And now are you telling me that there is some other way? Why would I take the risk of doing that? Yes, that's that's part of this kind of, um, uh, this is a starting point. Uh, why right. it's, uh, and, and I don't think so very many managers or many organizations uh, uh, know how to, to, to create an alternative answer. <laughs> so how do we invite in the, the cultural diverse perspectives? How do we create an organizational culture where people feel psychologically safe to voice? Well, you know, I'm from Pakistan. In Pakistan, we, try, we do this. We have these kind of needs. We have these market opportunities that you don't see from a Norwegian context. So how do you create a situation where people feel psychologically safe to speak up on behalf of their own background, not only about what we agreed upon, what to do together. And this has exactly been your research. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Diversity Icebreaker and how you help organizations to have the psychologically safe conversations about our cultural differences. Yeah, this is a, this is a very interesting story. It's a um, Diversity Icebreaker is a you might say, is a concept where people are being put into uh, boxes. We, they are filling in, in, a, in, a, in a psychological simple test and they get scores of red, blue and green. And, uh, and then we explore the, what are the meaning of the red, blue and green together. Um, and today we know that red, blue and green is something called cognitive style, communication differences, social mm -hmm. styles. Uh, and and having only three makes it everything a bit more easy. And every everyone has some elements of red, blue, and green, which implies that uh, the categories are easy to recognize by yourself, but also by others, uh, and it's easy to recognize others' colors around it. So, so diversity icebreaker is about how do you introduce red, blue, and green understanding in a group of people. And the way you talk about it here, how, how did we use this introduction of this kind of red, blue, and green to create some kind of psychological safety? Then we have to look upon how do we do this kind of thing? Um, so in, in the introduction of, of, of uh, red, blue, and green in organization, we, we start by having people in the room in a seminar saying that, well, you know, when you're working together, there, there will always be some kind of differences. People have some different ideas, uh, different perspectives, etc. And we have made a psychological test that at least map these kind of differences and please take this kind of test. And it takes 10 minutes and they get scores right. on red, blue, and green. Yeah. And then, then we don't tell them what red, blue, and green really means. We don't yes. tell them the content. Uh, and we put those people who are most red in one corner and blue in the other <laughs> corner and the green in the third corner and ask them to describe what are your qualities, what are your positive qualities, the way you think and the way you perceive and the way you communicate and contribute working with others. And when they have been describing the positive qualities of themselves, we ask them to describe the others. And then when they start describing the others, they start to 
feel on this kind of expression, well, you know, the others, they are not that good as we are. <laughs> so in that kind of group process, you get this emotional feeling of pride of, of being together with people who are like yourself, who are doing so much good. And then realizing that when you think of the others, you, you don't have the same kind of positive attitudes towards the others. Uh, and you maybe you write something together in the group that is politically incorrect. And when you share this with the others, you are a bit afraid what will the reactions be to the others. Uh, when we say this bragging about yourself and politically incorrecting about the others, but then you realize that the others have been doing the same. And then, then people share the group results mm-hmm. where they realize how easy it is to to have a positive view upon themselves and not have the same kind of positive view about the others. And this is the replications of what we have been talking about culture. When you're talking about culture, who am I am and my culture, I know what it is. And I think that's the starting point. This is a good thing. And the others, they are not that good. So Right, they, exactly. And yeah, especially so we, when it's the headquarters versus um, you know, other subsidiaries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yes. just so easy to say, come on, like that's the headquarters and that's the culture and that's the most dominant culture. And let's just, and that's yeah. the way to do yeah. things, right? And so, and I've done diversity icebreaker. Like I've done, I think about more than 200. I don't know how many you have done. Like that's like, you know, you must have used this so widely. It gives such a beautiful context for people to feel psychologically safe, to talk about um, our differences, to talk about our ways from an emotional perspective. Yeah. Uh, if you're going back to the seminar, uh, the, the feeling of positivity and negativity from inside and outside is the basic for mm-hmm. realizing that uh, when I'm standing here, <laughs> it's not easy to see how the others think and act. So the only way to solve that kind of problem is to ask the other people to speak up. And when we ask the whole kind of group afterwards, what did you learn from this kind of exercise? You very often get the answers that, well, you know, it's easy to see the good things about self. It's not that easy to see the others' good sides, but that's mm-hmm. why we need to ask them. And when we listen to them, we need to have a respect for the other's view and perspectives because they are bringing perspectives in about themselves and about the tasks we are working. That is important. And then the whole kind of idea about is one way of seeing better than the other, which is very normal in cross-cultural interaction. If you ask that in diversity icebreaker, is red, blue, or green is one of the others more important <laughs> than the other? Everybody says that, well, they're all e- just as even important. Exactly. They're yeah. all equally important because they're they all bring so important. many different... And there yeah. are only one third truth. Uh, it's only one third perspective. So we need all perspectives in. We need all competences in. And when you get that kind of learning that the participants formulate themselves that we need all competences, we need all perspectives, all red, blue, and green, then you create some kind of norm where people feel much more easy to speak up afterwards because they expect that when I say what I say, I know that this is only one-third truth at least, and I know that you also know. 
that I know that I don't think that my way of thinking is only right and only way of thinking. So, so I know that you know that I know. Uh, and that makes me feel safe when I voice because I expect to be treated well by the others. They will see my humbleness. They will see my willingness to listen to, the, to their views too. So it creates some kind of norms that all kind of perspectives adds value for everybody being involved. And that is the element that comes out of the diversity icebreaker seminar. After one hour, people realize that there are, we have different kind of perspectives. We think differently, act differently, have different kind of competences, different kind of background. But it's important that these ideas are shared and we can talk about when and how can we apply this way of thinking? When and how can we apply this kind of competence? And when, when this is the norm, then it's easy for people to speak up with their ideas in a psychological safe way. They voice without being afraid or being expelled or overruled or thrown out of the group, uh, all these kind of fears we have when we are disagreeing or speaking up talking about things that the others do not talk about. Eh? So, so true. I cannot agree more with you. And for those of you who are listening here, um, do check out Diversity Icebreaker. Uh, we'll put the links to the website. Um, and Bjorn, the tool that you have, you know, it's so easy for organizations and it's so easy for all of us to say, yes, uh, I value, I respect other ways of doing things. But then habitually, diversity does challenge each and every one of us. And the diversity icebreaker brings to experience. It's not just we need to respect, we need to value diversity. It brings that experience into our living. And that's what's important. Yeah, I, I think you are formulating it very, very precise. Um, I say red, blue, and green is a very simple, easy to understand model of diversity. But it has complementarity and equality as, as very important elements. And if you approach other types of diversity, with complementarity, equality, uh, how can we utilize the different perspectives, different competences, different background, different network? Then you have another kind of uh, way of utilizing diversity that can add cr creativity components, critical thinking, and even efficient distribution of tasks to people who have different kind of passion or different kind of competence, etc. Mm. So you might say diversity icebreak is a very simple experience, experiential learning with a very simple model that makes it much more easy to dive into the other types of diversity. And sometimes culture is important. In global organization, it is important. <laughs> Some, sometimes uh, in Experience and professional background is important. Uh, sometimes it's educational things that is important. Sometimes right. it, it is gender. So it's very different 
in different contexts, what kind of diversity component, diversity categories that has some kind of potential for creativity, critical thinking and efficiency around it. Right. It just makes it so easier. Like this tool just makes it easier to talk about other kinds of differences that does exist, like national culture differences or gender diversity or any other kind of diversity. Uh, it just makes it easier to have those difficult conversations, respect and accept and create inclusion from there. Uh, for those people like for who are listening and who can't maybe implement diversity icebreaker immediately in their teams, what's one tip that you'd like to give them about how they can harness the power of diversity? So um, I think it's, well, let me answer. I was running a workshop with 700 leaders from a global organization who wanted to do better on diversity issues. <laughs> and I asked them, what can you do as a leader in order to get access to non-dominant perspectives in your organization? <laughs> Those ideas that people do not talk about because they have, a, for example, a cultural background that is not so very acceptable in the organization. What can you do? And they created 398 answers to that kind of questions. And half of these answers was about communication. It was about leaders who asked questions, who listened to what people were saying, and who showed really an open mind to reflect and learn from what they heard. So if you take this kind of... Uh, advice that this group of 700 leaders were saying, in order to get access and to build a culture where people feel psychologically safe to voice, start asking, start respecting, start listening, start show that you learn from other people and act as a role model, use your authority as a role model to create a, a, a culture of curiosity and learning. Uh, and, and this is the you might say, this is what you can do tomorrow already. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. you know, go find somebody who annoys you. That's what I talk about all the time. Like, go yeah. find somebody who thinks completely different from you, who has a completely diverging perspective and maybe a minority voice, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Bjorn, and engage in a conversation with them, listen with all openness and suspend judgment and be yeah. curious. Um, fabulous. Great uh, tip. I bet you can go and implement this tomorrow as or immediately after or you know even with somebody you agree with but then you know there are always topics that you put aside and say oh no that's a hard topic let's just kind of ignore that in this relationship and let's just focus on the common things right so what Bjorn is saying is that you know talk about those topics that are where you diverge with the other person and with openness and curiosity listen um I love that idea and Let's be practical. What's one thing? Let's address the one thing that gets in the way to do that. What gets in the way to have that conversation? I think, first of all, it's the individual insecurity uh, for the leaders. Uh, because you must assume that they will say something that you didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you, as a leader, you have to train yourself to approach people who say something that you do not is not what aligned with what you expected, and uh, going back again to your starting point, Deepa, about uh, it's 
it's the place where the personal growth mm-hmm. evolves. Mm-hmm. Where, where in a better place can you find a pos- possibility of learning something new when you listen to people who say something you didn't expect? There's oh, no yes. other place that is better. And that's why cross-cultural interaction has implication for reflexivity and personal growth more than very many other settings around it. So people who are able to master that kind of, oh gosh, I didn't expect this thing to be said, and being able to, to, to listen and integrate and learn and bring the other person's background into your own worldview is, uh, it can make, make, Manage, manage that kind of thing, they have probably the, the most important competence for continual personal growth Absolutely. and creating as an organization where people feel free to speak up. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, what a great challenge. And I can tell you, for those of you who are listening, I can tell you one thing. Um, I looked at statistics uh, on the people I've coached and 95% of the people who worked in cross-cultural segments who got, who got coached and decided to grow were promoted in the next year and a half. And so leadership across cultures opens our minds and it creates lots of opening for you. So uh, jump in, go talk to somebody who shocks you (laughs) and have fun with that. Thanks so much, Bjorn, for being here with us. Uh, would you like to share one last message before we close this episode? Oh, uh, my compliments to you for bringing so many other voices accessible <laughs> through these kind of podcasts, myself included. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Bjorn, for being here with us. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you again very soon. And until then, stay cool. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Every time I have a conversation with someone, I learn so much. And I hope you do too. Insights, learning and growth is what you're here for at the end of the day. So if you haven't subscribed to the magazine yet, head over to meetmypotential.com and subscribe to the bi-monthly magazine that you will get directly in your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking to you soon again. And until then, stay cool.